This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving individuals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And we've talked about this subject before, and we've mentioned it, and I tell you what, folks, I'm going to beat you over the head with it. And that's things like making sure that you have set your business up correctly and <clears throat> legally, right from the very start when you start doing business, because there's just so many reasons why you need to do that. And I tell you what, it's it's something that, that we cannot skip. And so today we're going to be talking with an expert in this. So please join me in welcoming Garrett Sutton to our program. Welcome, Garrett. Thank you, Deb. Pleasure to be with you. Well, you know, this really is something and, and we'll, you know, we'll really delve into this because it is something that so many business owners skip, think is too hard, think they don't need to do, and all these various things, and that's um, incorporating you know, all of those various things. But before we really get to the meat and potatoes of the interview, let me tell people why you are an expert. So Garrett Sutton has been practicing corporate law for more than 35 years, assisting entrepreneurs and real estate investors in protecting their assets and maximizing financial goals through his companies, Corporate Direct and Sutton Law Center. He is a best-selling author and one of Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad Advisors. All of Garrett's books are part of the Rich Dad, Poor Dad Wealth Building Book Series. So again, Garrett, welcome to the program. Great. Thanks to be, uh, very nice to be with you. You know, and this, as, as I mentioned in the intro, this is a subject that I think so many entrepreneurs and so many small business owners skip, are afraid of, you know, all those various things, and that is actually making their business a legal entity. Um, you know, for so many people, it was a hobby that they started doing. It was something they did in the evenings, in the weekends, you know, obviously something to make a little extra money. And there's just a lot of ways where they can run afoul of all sorts of things, not to mention the IRS, you know, and, and all of these things. So let's just start at the very beginning. Why should someone the second they are ready to do business or actually before they're ready to do business. Why is it so important that they form that legal entity? And then we'll go through the various legal entities that they can consider using. Well, Deb, we live in a very litigious society. The United mm -hmm. States, uh, there's more lawsuits filed in this country than probably all the other countries combined. Right. And uh, lawyers uh, make a, a percentage of what they can collect. It's called a contingency fee. Mm -hmm. And so they have an incentive to sue. Right. And if you're not properly structured, mm -hmm. if you operate as a sole proprietorship or a general partnership, those are the two bad entities to mm -hmm. use. If you operate on that basis and someone sues your business, your plumbing business, not only can they get the plumbing truck and the tools and the equipment, but they can get all of your personal assets. Right. There goes your house, your car, your kid's college fund. Exactly right. And so you want to take these very simple and affordable steps to set up a good entity, a corporation or an LLC, to protect yourself from those kind of claims. So the plumbing business we mentioned, mm -hmm. uh, as soon as that person incorporates and they do business through the corporation, all the contracts are under the corporate name, you have a separate corporate bank account, you have limited liability protection. The, mm -hmm. the laws of the land say, you took the affirmative step of incorporating, we're going to give you the protection that comes with the corporation, meaning 
Someone suing you can, yes, get inside your business and get the tools and the equipment, but they can't get beyond the walls of the corporation and right. get at your personal assets. So mm -hmm. that's why we want to do this right from the start. Mm -hmm. Well, and it really doesn't matter what you are providing. If it's a product, a service, you know, things like that, you do want to protect both it and yourself, um, you know, and, and and it's funny because I incorporated in the state of Colorado way back in 2002. Oy, oh, holy <laughs> shmoly. Um And and I provide a service. I provide consulting services, marketing and public relations. And I had several people that said, why did you incorporate? You know, like, you know, and 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 one of the reasons was simply because that made me a business. When people looked at my company, it wasn't Deb Creer. It was Wise Women Communications LLC. And the most important thing was it showed that I was serious about doing business. Um, you know, was somebody going to sue me? You know, what I do is probably pretty, pretty safe. I'm not going to say 100% safe because, of course, nothing. But, you know, it, it isn't like a plumber, a landscaper, a restaurant, right. you know, somebody like that. But, it showed the world that I was serious about my business. I agree, Deb. There's a professionalism associated with having a corporation or an LLC through which you operate from. Mm -hmm. As well, from the IRS standpoint, if you operate as a sole proprietor or a general partnership, you have a five times greater risk of being audited. Mm -hmm. uh, the IRS finds it very easy it's the low-hanging fruit to right. go after sole proprietorships and general partnerships, in part because if you're look at it from the IRS position, if you're not serious about incorporating your business, maybe you're not too serious about how you're operating mm -hmm. and taking in money. Right. And so the IRS finds it very easy to uh, go after sole proprietorships and general partnerships. Mm -hmm. And if you have that LLC, if you are working with a CPA, and, and doing your books right, you're not going to get audited as much. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and, and, you know, I mentioned in the start that so many people think, oh, my gosh, it's hard, you know, and, and, and it's, it is definitely worth it. But it's, it's so funny. You know, I mentioned that I incorporated in 2002, and that was before you could do a lot of this on the Internet. So I had to trot my little self down to the Secretary of State's office and and at that point in time, you could register in Colorado as an LLC sole proprietorship. And we'll discuss a little bit more about, you know, all these these various things. But, um, you know, and, and I gave them my sixty dollars, I think was what it was to become an LLC. And I was waiting for, you know, the bells, the whistles, the <laughs> confetti. the oh, And she handed me a receipt that is, <coughs> excuse me, two inches by three inches. And it was like, really? <laughs> kind of a lot down there, but I know, but it it serves its purpose. And of course, every year I file my paperwork so that it you know is is current. I you know I stay as that LOC, all those various things. But it really was fairly simple, you know. And, and I'm leading up to to why we're talking about why it's simple, and and but. You know, it way back then, it really was something that's fairly simple. Now it's gotten much more complicated, um, you know, and and, you know, and, and you and I were laughing before the program about all of the various commercials. I watch a lot of late night TV and listen to a, a lot of radio and for thirty nine ninety nine, they can incorporate you, you know, and all these various things. And my favorite is the one that in very small print says, we will not provide any legal or financial advice. There's yeah. so many, you know, you're not just an LLC or incorporated or whatever. And so you do need to talk with, you know, to either research it and and know what you're you're doing or actually work with an attorney to make sure that you're setting it up correctly from the start. Well, Deb, you get what you pay for. Right. And we we have all the horror stories, people mm -hmm. who have gone to those types of services and come to us and said, did I do this right? right. And, you know, 99 percent of the time they did not do it right because mm -hmm. they didn't have the operating agreement. They didn't right. have the bylaws. Mm -hmm. They didn't issue the stock either for a corporation or an LLC where, where you do membership certificates. Mm -hmm. And if the IRS comes calling, they want to see all these documents. Right. So you haven't done it right. If you go into a court of law 
and you're you're trying to assert that you're a corporation and you haven't followed these formalities, you don't have the protection. Mm -hmm. So these people, the $39 providers, lead people on. It's a false sense of security. You haven't done it right. You haven't completed the whole process, whereby for a few hundred dollars more, we do it all for you. It's Mm -hmm. all completed. Everything's filled in. We don't send you a bunch of forms and expect you to fill them in. We completely fill them in. We issue the stock certificates. We do it right so that you can move forward in your business. You don't need to learn how to be a corporate uh, uh, expert. You Mm -hmm. just need someone to help you through that so you can focus on your business. Mm -hmm. So as you can tell, I do have a problem with the $39 provider. I've Mm -hmm. seen all the horror stories. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and you're right. It is something that you get what you paid for, you know, and, and if it's, you know, they're either going to do it or not. Well, you know, it's better that they've done something, but actually it might not be. I mean, if they have completely set it up wrong, it could cause more damage than, than good. And, you know, you've got, as we mentioned, you've got, you know, several books. I read Start Your Own Corporation. That you wrote, and it's great because it walks you through this process so that you can think about, okay, you know, should I be this? Should I be that? And you mentioned at the start of the program that there are two entities that really aren't good things to be set up as. So let's start with those and then let's kind of walk through what you should consider that that are the the appropriate things. Okay. The sole proprietorship is, uh, there's no filing that you have to do with the state. Mm -hmm. Uh, You just, you know, you can just get started in business. You're not going to have a corporation or an LLC as as part of your business. So you just get started in business. You can operate in your own name. Mm -hmm. You can open a bank account in your own name for the business. But by by, by failing to take the step of setting up a good entity, You have taken the step of being personally responsible for everything that happens in your business. And that's the problem with the sole proprietorship. It's easy to get into. Mm -hmm. And what happens, Deb, is people will get started as a sole proprietor and and say to themselves, you know, when I get busy, uh, when I have enough business, I'll pay the money for a corporation or an LLC. And what happens all the time is they get so busy in their business, they forget to incorporate. Mm -hmm. And during this time where they're operating without the corporate protection, their personal assets, the equity in their house, their, uh, you know, their bank accounts are all exposed to a claim. Now, the general partnership is liability times two. Mm -hmm. That's when you shake hands with someone and say, let's go into business together. We're like, hey, Garrett, let's go sell widgets. Right. And what happens is uh, your partner can obligate you for uh, certain acts. So Mm -hmm. let's say that, uh, Deb, you and a friend start a, a florist shop. And, you know, you operate as a general partnership. You don't set up a corporation or an LLC. Mm-hmm. And your friend says, you know, we need to advertise the florist shop. Mm-hmm. And you say, you know, we can't afford that right now. Do not sign a TV contract. Right. And you're, you know, Deb, you go out for uh, the weekend. You're a thousand miles away. And your partner signs the contract for the advertising. Mm -hmm. You are personally responsible for that media contract, just Mm -hmm. as your partner is. Even though you told your partner not to sign it, you didn't sign it yourself. But as a general partner, you are personally responsible for everything Mm -hmm. your partner does. That's not a good position in in either. Mm -hmm. And so you don't want to operate as either of those, sole proprietorship or general partnership. You know, we see things like that happen all the time where, you know, we say uh, somebody signs a lease or buys equipment or inventory or, you know, all these various things. And, you know, the vast majority of the time, nobody's trying to rip anybody off. You know, we, we want to make that, you know, they're they're trying to be to do it right. They're trying. But but they just don't understand the right way to do things, you know, and, and so they might think, oh, well, hey, this is a great lease. You know, we're going to sign this. We're going to get, you know, wonderful, spectacular rates on this space. And it's really not a space that you need or you signed it for 10 years. And, yeah. you, know, it's like, you know, so it's it's more that you just need to take the steps to make sure you're doing things correctly. 
Absolutely. And when it comes to a lease and those kind of contracts, Deb, you also need to make sure that if you do have a corporation or an LLC, you sign in the name mm-hmm. of that company. You right. sign as manager of XYZ LLC, because if you just sign personally, mm-hmm. uh, we, we had a case here in Nevada where the, the landlord was able to argue to the court that I didn't know that I was uh, leasing to an LLC. He ah. came in and signed mm-hmm. uh, as as Joe Blow and, and signed the lease in his individual name. I thought I was leasing to him as an individual. Mm-hmm. And the court and the jury agreed. So even when you set up that entity, you have to be careful that you sign contracts right. in the name of the entity. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it's funny because when I set up my business, I was actually working for a law firm and they were very helpful. You know, they they helped me do a lot of stuff. And and one of the things they said was anytime you are signing a contract, whether I was the instigator or, you know, I was signing it for something else. It was, you know, that I would sign it. Deborah Creer, president, Wise Women Communications, LLC. You know, and, and they said, so it's never Deb Creer. It's never, you know, it, they said, always have all of that in there. Absolutely great information. Uh, we want to follow the corporate formalities. You want the world to be unnoticed that they're not dealing with Deb. They're dealing with Deb's LLC. So on business cards, on contracts, on your checks at your bank account, you always want that uh, those initials LLC mm-hmm. for a limited liability company or Inc. Inc. Mm-hmm. Period for a corporation because you want to provide corporate notice to the world that you're operating through a limited liability entity and you expect to have those protections mm-hmm. uh, in force. So that's that they gave you really good advice, Deb. So you know, speaking of incorporated LLC, you know, it, it ends up being kind of alphabet soup and then we get all confused. And again, that's, I think, why a lot of people don't take the steps to start with. What are the and, and you know, this is why somebody should read your book, because it does go into detail about all of this. But kind of in a, in short, you know, the information, what are the very entities that somebody could become uh, use as their legal entity? Well, we like three of them uh, for business and for real estate. Mm-hmm. Uh, the LLC, the limited liability company, has become the most popular. Uh, it offers a lot of flexibility. Mm-hmm. You can have your LLC taxed however you want as a partnership, as a S-corp, as a C-corp. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of flexibility on the taxation. And then if if you were to be sued personally, the LLC can provide really good asset protection when it's set up in the right state. Mm-hmm. And, and we like Wyoming and Nevada uh, for the asset protection benefits. So okay. the LLC is the most popular. Then we have the corporation, which has been around for 500 years. There's a lot of case law on it. And the corporation, uh, except in the state of Nevada, doesn't provide as great of asset protection as the LLC. But in some states, for example, in California, you can't operate uh, as a real estate broker or as an attorney through an LLC. You pretty much have to use a corporation. Mm -hmm. Um, And the corporation, uh, like the LLC, we have two ways of having it taxed, either as the S corporation. And S and C stands for IRS code sections. It's not any, we don't have a better story. So it's not special (laughs) or corporate or whatever we might be thinking those those letters stand for. It's subchapter S of the code. That's how Mm -hmm. creative they are. So uh, it is an S corporation allows for flow through taxation, meaning there's no tax at the corporate level. Everything flows through, the tax obligation flows through to the individual owners. Mm-hmm. Um, and the restriction on the S corporation, Deb, is you, you can only have 100 shareholders, so you'd never okay. go public with an S corp. Right. And uh, it's only open to uh, U.S. residents. Mm-hmm. So a foreign individual can't be an owner of an S corp. Right. Um, a resident alien, someone who's living in the U.S. and paying taxes in the U.S. can. Mm-hmm. But let's say that person moves back to Toronto okay. and they're not in the U.S. tax system. You lose your S corporation uh, tax benefits if you don't uh, make a change and, and get rid of that shareholder. You automatically become a C corp. Mm-hmm. C corp has double taxation, meaning 
profits come into the corporation. You pay tax on the pro- uh, on the profits after expenses, and then you distribute money to the shareholders, and they pay tax again. So it's mm-hmm. it's really a, the two taxes on the same uh, dollar of profit. Now, under the new tax law, the uh, rate went from thirty five percent to twenty one percent. So oh. people are pretty excited about this, mm-hmm. um, and so. The uh, a lot of people were thinking, geez, if I can get 21 percent with the C Corp, maybe I I should be a C Corp. Mm -hmm. But the issue is that when you try and get the money out of the corporation, you still have to pay that uh, second tax. Mm -hmm. And so for a lot of people, you're still going to be paying more in taxes with the C Corp, even with this new lower rate. Right. Than you would through the S corporation. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are all, you know, the, the tax law changes every 20 or 30 years. And, and, and people are excited about this, this tax law change. I, mm-hmm. I think they estimate that 80 percent of uh, U.S. taxpayers are going to benefit from it. Mm-hmm. So um, but the we, we have two things to concern ourselves with here, Deb. One is the tax law. And that's Mm -hmm. certainly a big factor in choosing which entity you're going to use. Right. The second feature is the asset protection. Mm -hmm. And we want to set up in, if we can, we want to use LLCs. They have better asset protection. And if we can, we'd like to have the LLCs either be set up in Wyoming to begin with and then qualified in the state of Colorado or Georgia or wherever you are, Mm -hmm. or have a Wyoming LLC to own a Colorado LLC and a Georgia LLC. Mm-hmm. And then if someone gets in that horrific car wreck, Wyoming is going to protect them. Okay. So those are the strategies that we look at when we get on the phone with people, how, mm-hmm. you know, we look at your specific situation and ask and, and discuss how can we best protect you? Mm-hmm. Well, and obviously it depends on what you're doing, um, you know, and, and, and it, it is very confusing because Every state varies. You know, that's that is where it gets so confusing is, you know, each state does it just slightly different. And you've mentioned a couple of times Wyoming and Nevada. So, you know, that just perplexes me that you could incorporate or have an LLC in a state where you don't live. How does that work? Well, it's a constitutional right to travel issue. You you can choose the state law that you want to be governed by. It's kind of interesting at the founding. uh, Some of the founders wanted to have a nationwide corporate law. James Mm -hmm. Madison wanted just to have one federal corporate law. And the rest of the founders said, no, we want kind of each state to have their own law, which is Mm -hmm. to everybody's benefit, because now you have states like Nevada and Wyoming competing against each other Mm -hmm. to have the best law. And we like that. So uh, Wyoming and Nevada, you can choose to set up the entity there Mm -hmm. and bring it into your state. You qualify into the state and you're subject to your state's local laws. Mm -hmm. Or you can have the Wyoming entity be a holding entity Mm -hmm. and set up in Colorado and Georgia, have a separate LLC in each state, one for business, one for your real estate investing, whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And then have it be owned by one Wyoming LLC for the greater asset protection. And the other thing to know, Deb, it's kind of interesting. Wyoming only charges $50 a year for the entity as well. It doesn't list your name on the state website as being an owner or manager. Ah. So you have extra privacy there, too. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I, you know, and and it's funny because that is one of the things is you can look on, say, you know, for example, me, the Colorado Secretary of State, and you see my name, right? Um, you know, and and so yeah, I mean that's so that's it's it's great that you can get more protection. Um, and am I vaguely remembering that Delaware used to be one of the states that a lot of companies incorporated in because they had much better tax laws or something? Well, you're right. Delaware is still one of the top states. Uh, okay. And they have good asset protection laws. But if you're going to have 10 million shares registered in Delaware, it's really expensive compared mm-hmm. to Nevada and Wyoming. Okay. But if uh, if you're putting together a startup 
and your venture capital money says, look, we want you to be in Delaware, mm -hmm. um, a lot of the venture capital guys just automatically go to Delaware. It's kind mm -hmm. of, it, it, it's kind of just what they do. Right. You want to get the money for the startup. Well, then you set up in Delaware. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you're a startup and you're not looking for VC money and no one's breathing down your neck where to mm -hmm. incorporate, Nevada and Wyoming are superior to Delaware. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and, and I want to make it clear to everybody, we're not talking about cheating the system. We're not talking about this is perfectly legal and this is very acceptable um, to, to be doing it this way. It's a way for businesses to protect themselves. Absolutely. We Every state allows for LLCs and corporations, mm -hmm. right? And so uh, we are not doing anything improper here. We're doing what each state allows us to do to protect ourselves. Right. Now, it's unfortunate, Deb, in school, they don't teach the kids about this. It's no. people like you that need to get the word out there. You have to gain this information mm -hmm. yourself because you're not going to be taught about it uh, in school. But once you understand that the law is there to encourage economic activity mm -hmm. and the law is there to protect entrepreneurs from having from losing their houses and mm -hmm. their bank accounts, then it makes perfect sense. The law is really telling you that you should set up these entities for your protection. Everybody right. who uh, is is somewhat sophisticated about real estate and business uses these entities. And there's a really good reason why, because as we said at the start, we live in a very litigious society mm -hmm. and you right. need to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's funny. It's been, oh gosh, maybe 10 years ago or so. This was when I was still in Colorado and you, you, you mentioned litigious and, and this is what made me think of this. You know, so as I said, I incorporated in 2002 as Wise Women Communications LLC, followed all the rules, did everything I was supposed to. And an organization sent me a letter, and, and I think it really was about 10 years ago, that they had, or they, they had a, a something called Wise Women Connections. And, it, and they thought that it was too close to my company name, and therefore I had to, to stop functioning. And I said, I don't think so. <laughs> Right. And, you know, and, and I responded and I said, no, no, I am an LLC. I was I was an LLC before they started their their organization. Right. Um, you know, all these various things. And it was actually a very polite discourse. You know, nobody nobody got cease and desist letters and, you know, all this this stuff, um, you know, and, and actually they apologized. They said, we are sorry. We did not check check you out. Um but it really was one of those things where, you know, I first opened this letter and it said, you can't do this. I went, ah! <laughs> and then I realized, wait a minute, I took appropriate legal steps. And so I'm in the right. Right. And so we have to distinguish between a corporate name and a trademark. The corporate mm -hmm. name is how you can operate your corporation. Right. But the trademark is how you sell your services to the public. Mm -hmm. And it's important to check both names. Right. Uh, and because you had wise women first, mm -hmm. uh, if they had gotten the federal trademark, you still would have been able to operate in Colorado as mm -hmm. wise woman, be, women right. because you were ahead of them. Mm -hmm. But if you're starting up a business, it does make sense to check out and the trademark. Mm -hmm. And uh, on our website, we have a free report on trademarking. Mm -hmm. um, so it is something to consider, especially if you have that great name and you want to grow across the country with it. Right. If you can get the domain name and the trademark, mm -hmm. that's an asset that you can sell for a, a you know a multiple later mm -hmm. on. And so right. having that trademark is really great mm -hmm. when you're starting your business. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and it really was one of those where yeah, I, I had done everything I was supposed to. And so it was perfectly fine. Um, you know, if I hadn't, I could have easily not lost my business, but I, they, they could have forced me to change the name. Um, you know, and, and so, again, this is why it's something that is so important. Um, now, at the same point, I ha also had people telling me, well, just use your name, as in Deb Creer. And then nobody can, you know, that that's automatic. You can you can just do business as Deb Creer and that's okay. And I went, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, there are a couple reasons why you may not want to use your name in your mm -hmm. business. Um, you may want to sell your business someday. 
Right. And you sell the name Deb Creer and the people who buy the business don't run it very well and they're dragging your name through the mud. Um, that's not a good situation. Right. Um, as well, some people, as you grow the business, may not want to be that closely identified with the mm-hmm. business. It's easier to operate as wise women right. uh, than have your, your uh, primary name out there. Mm-hmm. So there are reasons to not use your family name. And, and certainly when we set up LLCs for real estate investments, we never use the family name right. because you're just telling the tenant who owns the building. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are strategies for uh, not using your primary name. But when you're starting a business for your for your entrepreneurs out there, Deb, I would certainly uh, check the uh, United States Patent and Trademark Office website, mm-hmm. the USPTO.gov. Mm-hmm. You can do a free trademark search there and see mm-hmm. who's using the name, if anyone, before right. you spend the money mm-hmm. uh, to incorporate under that name. Well, and just Google it to start with. Right. I mean, you know, see what see what is out there. Right. Um, you know, because then that's going to give you an idea of, oh, okay. Well, I need to to add another word to it, or you know, all these various things. And and it's certainly much easier now than when I incorporated back in two thousand and two, because you know, it it was much more difficult to see what else existed out there. And and you're right. I did ch- you know decide to not use my name. Not because I thought I'd sell the business one day, you know, was I figured it would never be something that would be, you know, something that an asset that somebody would want to buy. But because there were, you know, I just again, I wanted to be more professional, yep. um, you know, and 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 it was a, it actually was a challenge to figure out the name because, you know, I've had people still to this day that say, well, do you only work with women? No. <laughs> you know, do you only have people who work with you who are women? No. You know, it was just one of those things. And, and now it has helped on occasion when and you know I haven't done this recently, but when you are bidding on things where they're looking for women owned businesses. Right. Um, you know, and, and it is it's a 100 percent women owned business. And, you know, because it's just me. But um you know, that does kind of show that, too. But, but yeah, it's and, and that's where it gets tricky is figuring out what your business name is going to be. Yeah, it, it really is a big thing to consider. And uh, I'll tell you a quick little story. Uh, I worked with a uh, brewing company here, Reno Brewing Company, mm-hmm. and uh, we filed for the trademark uh, Wolfpack Wheat uh, okay. two days before Budweiser did. <gasps> and so it, little money big money <laughs> yeah it didn't matter that we were two days ahead of them they brought the full force of their right. uh, resources to bear mm-hmm. and uh you know we couldn't fight that right uh right. but so you you just have to be really cautious when you're picking that name but if you can get the domain name mm-hmm. and the trademark federally uh, that can be an asset for your business. And and right. we, we have a free report at corporatedirect.com. Mm-hmm. And I also wrote about it in Start Your Own, or rather, uh, Run Your Own Corporation. We talk mm-hmm. about trademarks in that book. Uh, so it is an important topic. Right. You know, and, and again, it doesn't matter what your business is. You know, this is something that you need to be looking at. Um, you know, we have a, a lot of our listeners who are entrepreneurs and small business owners, and and they may be in business just for themselves. You know, they don't have employees, they don't have anyone that they're paying, any of those various things. But it's still very important to make sure that you're set up correctly because, you know, you don't want to lose your house. You don't, you know, so much easier when you're doing taxes. Um, and, and you know, the caveat to that is you probably have to have somebody do your taxes for you. Um, you know, and, and it's the, the online programs, all those various things. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Folks, it's worth it to pay the money, have a CPA do it to make sure that everything is done appropriately. Right. And to follow up on that, Deb, uh, another thing that we have to do with a corporation or LLC is we constantly have to maintain it. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you set it up, yes, you have the limited liability protection if you have Mm -hmm. all the documents together. But in order to have that protection year after year, you have to do certain things to keep the corporation uh, clean, clean and mm-hmm. strong and maintained. Mm-hmm. So you have to do minutes every year. You have to have a meeting once a year uh, where you elect the president and secretary and treasurer, where you talk about the business. Um, and 
people think that this is just a big pain. You know, oh, I have to do these corporate minutes. But you'll note they're not called corporate hours. Um, right, they're minutes. <laughs> they're, minutes. Uh, they're really easy to do. And, mm-hmm. and when you form an entity with us, we give you a book that shows you how to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most people don't. And so we have a service that will do it. Mm-hmm. You also need to pay that annual fee to the state. It's kind of right. hard to argue that you're a corporation when you haven't paid mm-hmm. the annual fee. Right. Uh, to the state of Colorado or wherever. I'm looking right now and my status is good standing. Good. Which means I have paid. You right. know, and, and it's a, I think it's a whopping ten bucks every year. I mean, you know, this yeah. is you know, and, and and so I get my little email in December and I immediately go pay it so I don't forget. But but yeah, you know, you always want to be in good standing. Absolutely. And then you also want to have a resident agent or registered right. agent, someone mm-hmm. who will accept service of process, meaning a lawsuit mm-hmm. on your behalf. Now, you could list your uh, your home address or your business address if you live in that state. If you live mm-hmm. in Colorado, you could list your uh, address in Denver if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that two things. One is if you're not home all the time and someone comes to serve the business and you're mm-hmm. not home, they could go back to the court and say, look, we tried to serve them. No right. one was there. And obviously they're not a real company. Well, and, and, you know, we tried to, to serve and they're not there. So our next step is to publish notice in the newspaper. And you know, mm-hmm. that little two point type notes right. that you see in the legal section uh, and, and the papers that nobody buys anymore. Exactly. <laughs> You're not going to get notice of it. After mm-hmm. that, when they go back to court and say, look, we published notice in the newspaper, they didn't respond. The court then says, OK, you get a default judgment. You mm-hmm. win. So the resident agent is really important. You want someone who will be there mm-hmm. to accept that notice. And when it happens with us, we call our uh, clients within 10 minutes. I mean, we mm-hmm. let them know immediately that they've been served. Now, the mm-hmm. other thing is you could have your business address be the uh, resident agent or registered agent as well. But mm-hmm. if you have people in the waiting room and, and you're, you know you, you have a professional setting and this process server comes in, some of them aren't the nicest guys. Right. And they're going to be loud and say, you've been served. And it's kind of embarrassing in the reception area to have mm-hmm. all this going on. So to have a third party firm do it for you, we charge $125 a year. To have someone do it for you so you don't have either the risk that you're not going to be around to receive it or there's going to be an uproar in the reception room is just a good way to go. You need mm-hmm. to have a separate resident agent. But anyway, all of these, the the minutes, the fees, the resident agent, the separate bank account, like you said, Deb, the separate tax return, all of these are the corporate formalities that you need to follow every year so you have that continuing legal protection. If you don't do it, someone can come through and pierce the veil and get at your personal assets. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, one of the things you mentioned is a federal tax ID. Easy peasy, folks. You know, you go online and you and you get that information. You know, and and um, and it's funny. I was working for a client. I was doing a consulting for them, and and they said we need your social security number. I said no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> And, and they said, oh, no, we need your social security number for tax purposes. I said, I am Wise Women Communications, LLC. And that's how they'd been making the checks out, you yeah. know, because that was very important. Also, they weren't paying Deb Creer. They were paying Wise Women Communications. I said, and here is my federal tax ID number. And their accountant said, no, I still need your social security number. And I said, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> and and I had to get a little testy with them and say, you know, the only thing you need is my federal tax ID. Right. Uh, you you do not get my social security number. And and she finally backed down because, of course, I wasn't going to give it to her. Well, you have to uh, uh, jealously guard that social mm-hmm. security number. And so you did absolutely the right thing. The the uh, EIN, the employer identification number, is really the social security number for the business. Right. And that's what the IRS wants you to file through. And that's how mm-hmm. you're going to file your tax returns. Uh, in almost all cases. So uh, that is important to get right at the start. And Deb, I think I know where you're heading with this, but 
to, you have to get that EIN number in order to open the separate bank account. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, because otherwise they want bank. your social security. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no use going to the bank without your EIN number. Mm-hmm. They won't open the account. So not only do you need the articles and the bylaws or operating agreement, which the bank will never read, um, mm-hmm. you also need the EIN number to get that account mm-hmm. open. Right. Well, and I've shared with my listeners several times that you know, one of the very first pieces of fabulous business advice that I got was to open a bank account in a separate bank than we did our personal banking. Good idea. And, you know, and, and they said it just it makes it so much easier because you're not going to have the which account am I using now? And I'm I'm just going to transfer money back and forth. And so I did. I mean, you know, it is my my business bank is a totally different bank than what we'd use for personal. And again, it, you know, it's it's that whole professional, all those various things. I really like that. And, uh, you know, if you're in California, the state of California has been raiding uh, business bank accounts. Uh, yeah. If you don't like uh, or if you don't pay the fees that they think they're due, mm-hmm. uh, rather than try and work something out, they'll just go into the bank account right. and take the money. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a California resident doing business outside the state of California, it certainly mm-hmm. makes sense to have a bank account outside the state of California. Correct. You know, and it is just much easier. You know, say you've got two debit cards. You know, you look at the one. Oh, this is that bank. So this is my business one. This is the, whoops. This is that bank. So it, it's, you know, it's the other one. And, and it just makes it so much easier to keep everything separate. Right. Right. And then your CPA will do the tax return yep. based mm-hmm. on that information. And uh, you're, you're, you're following all the rules and thus entitled to the protection. Cool. Well, now, one of the things, one of the, the rules that you mentioned that I had a question about was the minutes and, and things like that, because my business is me. So am I supposed to talk to myself? <laughs> how do you know, how do we do things like that? You know, it's really funny. Other people, Deb, have said, do, do I really have to have a meeting with myself and, right, and talk to myself? And uh, what we do is we send you a checklist and you fill okay. it out and that's your meeting. You don't have to mumble to anybody. No one thinks you're weird. <laughs> Not uh, looking in the mirror, right, right. <laughs> talking to the right. cat. <laughs> so, uh, you, But you do have to have those meeting minutes. Um, okay. If you're going to uh, assert that the corporate veil uh, should give you protection. You want to have mm-hmm. that minute book filled with at least annual meeting minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well, if the IRS comes calling, uh, they one of the first things they ask for is that corporate minute book. And mm-hmm. you want to have it there with the minutes of each year and the stock certificates. They really are starting to look mm-hmm. at all the stock certificates. Now, mm-hmm. if you haven't followed these formalities, don't tell anyone, but just call us and we'll mm-hmm. we'll clean it up for you. Right. Uh, it's you not hard it. to clean it up. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you want to make sure that these things are in order in case in case something bad happens. Hopefully, nothing bad will ever happen to any of your listeners, Deb. But you know, it may happen to a few of them, and right. will not be protected. Well, it, it's funny. I went to a meeting today and, and they were starting to say it was going to rain and there was one person in there with an umbrella. And and I said, you know, that's the way it is. You carry it and you don't need it. Right. And, you know, but if it, it's a heck of a lot better to have had that umbrella and be lugging it around all over everywhere than to look out and see this downpour. Um, right. You know, so why not take the time again to, to do all of this? And we're really not talking about a ton of time, folks. You know, this is like like I said, you know, when I file my my reports every year, it takes less than 10 minutes. I mean, you know, this this is something that is very simple. Um, You know, it it did take me a little bit longer when I moved from Georgia or from Colorado to Georgia. And I actually talked with an attorney and I said, should I reincorporate all these various things? And they said, no, no, just do a registered agent. You know, all those various things, because there were benefits to staying um, incorporated in Colorado and but I, I talked to an attorney because it was OK. Now, what should I do? And so that was was his advice. Well, and that's good advice because you you uh, were able to keep your business credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you kept the same EIN number, right. uh, which is, you know, you want those kind of legacy uh, uh, transactions as mm-hmm. part of your business. Now, Wyoming offers a really neat feature called continuance. And mm. what you can do is you can take your. 
a Georgia company that's been around since 1990. And mm-hmm. let's say you're moving to Colorado, the reverse of what you did. Okay. Uh, you take your Georgia company, you continue it into Wyoming, and they let you keep the same incorporation date of 1990. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. let you keep your EIN number. And mm-hmm. so you have that Georgia company that is now a Wyoming company ah. with the same incorporation date, okay. all the same uh, uh, business credit. Mm-hmm. And then you simply qualify to do business in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And so that's another way to do it. Right. Well, and that's definitely something for someone to consider who may be moving more than once. Right. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, maybe whatever it is either that they're doing, that their spouse is doing, whatever it is, you know, they're they're moving from this state to that state. And, and so if you can can do something like that, that sounds fabulous. Well, and we have a lot of Californians with this new tax law that are looking to move from California. Mm-hmm. And so we set up a Wyoming or Nevada entity for them. They're living in California right now. We qualify to do business there. We pay that darn $800 per year. Mm-hmm to the state of California, but they know they're going to move in three or four years. Right. When they move, they have this entity that they've had for three or four years. It's a Wyoming mm-hmm. or Nevada, and then they don't have to pay the California fees again. So mm. that's a strategy for uh, people in high tax states that may be moving. And mm-hmm. boy, Deb, there are so many people that we have to plan for. There, a lot of people are getting ready to move from these high tax states. Right. Right. You know, and or there might be people who are getting ready to retire and, you know, and, and keep that business entity, all these various things, um, you know, and, and so they're they're changing their locations. Right. And so we also for real estate, typically, and I wrote about this in the book, uh, Loopholes of Real Estate. Mm-hmm. But for real estate, typically you would have an entity in the state where the real estate's located. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's say you have a property in Utah, you have a Utah LLC on title to the property, and then the Utah LLC is owned by one Wyoming. And your next property is in Ohio. You have an Ohio LLC owned by that same Wyoming LLC. Mm -hmm. And so then we have the Wyoming protection. If you get in that horrific car wreck, uh, Mm -hmm. wanna reach your personal assets, they have to fight through Wyoming to get at Utah or Ohio. Mm -hmm. Wyoming says, we're not going to let you go in and force a sale of the assets Mm -hmm. like they will in Georgia, California, other states. Uh, Wyoming says, all you're going to get is a charging order, which is a lien on distributions, meaning if Deb is entitled to receive $1,000, you stand in her shoes and you get the $1,000. If Wyoming never makes any distributions, then they're sitting around waiting. Right. And that's not a good position for an attorney on a contingency fee right. in. So mm-hmm. we like to structure things using these good states, using the good entities in the right way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, typically I get on the phone and usually in 15 or 30 minutes, we can come up with a strategy for everybody's particular situation. It's it, mm-hmm. Again, like you said at the top of the show, Deb, this is not difficult stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want people at a cocktail party to think it's really difficult uh, right. if we even talk about it. But mm-hmm. it, just your listeners should know this is not really that complicated. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, speaking of complicated, so say I was you know, incorporated or had my LLC in Wyoming. Does that mean that I have to pay Wyoming state taxes and file taxes there? Well, you would if Wyoming had a state tax. Oh, this is true. I forgot about that little detail. <laughs> yeah, there's no state filing. Uh, Another benefit. Yeah, in the state of Wyoming. We wouldn't put you in a good asset protection state that had a big state tax. Right. So Wyoming is great. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's only 500,000 people there. Uh, they have coal revenues and, and other, you know, it's just kind of a self-reliant state. And they don't mm-hmm. have this big uh, bureaucracy. So right. there's no state tax there. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, you know, you mentioned charging orders and, and you talk about that in your book. Tell us a little bit more about what a charging order is. Well, it's the it's the remedy that a court in Wyoming and Nevada will give someone who has a claim. So let's mm-hmm. say, Deb, you have a Wyoming LLC holding your other real estate LLCs mm-hmm. and you get in the horrific car wreck. 
Now, I always recommend that my clients have an umbrella policy of insurance. Right. Meaning, I've got one. Yeah, Yay, I've good. got one. Mm-hmm. Good, good, good. Because with your home and your auto with the same company, State Farm or Farmers, you can get mm-hmm. an umbrella policy that extends over that. And for an extra $400 a year, you can get an extra million dollars in coverage. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty inexpensive insurance. Mm -hmm. Now, by having that insurance, there's a pot of money for the attorneys to get at. They know Mm -hmm. how to get at this insurance money. Mm -hmm. They're not very good at getting at LLC interests. Mm -hmm. If they tried to get at that Wyoming LLC interest, Uh, In many cases, they'd have to hire a Wyoming attorney. They'd have to go to court in Wyoming. Mm -hmm. And the court would say, okay, you have a claim against Deb, but all you're going to get under Wyoming law is a charging order, which is a lien on distributions. Mm -hmm. And if Wyoming doesn't distribute any money to you, the person who was in the car wreck doesn't get any money. Right. And attorneys are, you know, they're rational economic animals. Mm -hmm. And they don't want to go to Wyoming and sit around and wait and monitor how they're going to get paid. They want to go on to the next case with insurance. Mm -hmm. So by having the umbrella policy, having enough insurance, and then having all of your assets properly structured uh, with these LLCs, you're you're making it hard for the attorney to want to go after your other assets. Hopefully Mm -hmm. you have enough insurance for them to go after and they leave you alone on your other assets. So the charging order is a really great feature of Wyoming and Nevada law. By contrast, in California, the courts say, sure, just go sell all the properties, you know, have at it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so California offers the weakest asset protection in the country. So Mm -hmm. you have to do, you know, extra planning according to what state you live in. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and, and it is very inexpensive. You know, I've I've had my umbrella policy since we, you know, since I started the company, and it's it's I think it's less than four hundred dollars a year for a million dollar coverage. Right. Um. You know, and and it's it really is worth it for that peace of mind. Now, if I were doing something, say a plumber, a landscaper, a restaurant, you know, something like that, I might want more. You know, because conceivably something could happen and I could be sued for more. And, you know, and, and so that's that's definitely a consideration. But again, folks, this is, is something easy to do. And your insurance agent should be able to walk you through that process pretty quickly. Right. And the umbrella policy typically is for your personal activities, your home, mm-hmm. your car. Uh, real estate investors can have an umbrella policy over five or six properties. Mm-hmm. Um, I did for a while. I found it to be pretty expensive. So mm-hmm. I just rely on the LLCs uh, for the protection there. Now, Deb, you mentioned if you're a, a professional, if you're a, a lawyer or a landscaper, mm-hmm. whatever you are, you're going to have insurance for those activities as right. well. You're going to have mm-hmm. a specific policy mm-hmm. of insurance uh, for your business activities as mm-hmm. well. Right. It's just like a doctor has malpractice insurance. Right. Right. And doctors and lawyers can't hide behind a professional corporation for a malpractice claim. That is a personal claim. Brought mm-hmm. against the individual. The fact that you operate through a corporation doesn't protect you, which mm-hmm. means that professionals like the doctors and lawyers need to have all their other assets, their real estate, their brokerage accounts, uh, you know, bullion, gold and silver in separate LLCs in mm-hmm. case they get sued personally. Right. You know, and, and it is pretty easy. You know, we've we've mentioned it several times. We are a litigious society. So. You know, again, we're not doing anything underhanded. We're not, you know, all these, you're just protecting things. You know, you're you're protecting your assets for your family. You know, all these various things. And it's set up so that you can do that. This is not cheating. This is not gaming the system. This is doing it the right way. Well, if, if you ever do get sued, I want you to be able to walk into court and confidently tell the court, look, I set up these LLCs mm-hmm. long ago. Uh, and I, I deserve the protection of these LLCs. The problem people run into is they get notice that they're going to be sued and they try and then to, to backtrack. Then, mm-hmm. and you know, you can't put on the seatbelt after the car wreck, right. uh, you know, you have to take steps now to protect yourself because if you do it later, the court can call it a fraudulent conveyance. That doesn't mm-hmm. sound good, does it? No. no. They call it a fraudulent conveyance and they can unwind 
the transfer of assets into corporations mm -hmm. and LLCs. So it's really important to do this at the start rather than wait until there's a problem, in which case you can't really protect yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, Garrett, we've only got about five minutes left and, and all sorts of, of more questions that I'm sure people would have. So, um, you know, let's before we, we end, you know, we're going to make sure that people know how to reach out to you. But you are able to assist businesses in all 50 states, correct? That's right. That's right. We set up entities in all 50 states through Corporate Direct. Uh, we have resident agent uh, affiliations in all 50 states. So we provide that service. Uh, we make sure that people's uh, minutes are done. We, we provide that on an annual basis for our clients. Um, so, yeah, we, we are accepting new clients and we enjoy. It's really fun, uh, Deb, talking to people from around the country, around the world mm -hmm. on what they're doing. It's, it's kind of fun. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm dealing with a client that's starting to do business in Cuba. And so, wow. you know, you just learn about what what's happening out there. So mm -hmm. I really enjoy getting on the phone with people and talking about their business activities Mm -hmm. And then being able to structure their affairs to best protect them. Right. And the, the nice thing is your fees are very reasonable. I mean, you know, we, we hear about, oh, you know, this is the, this attorney charges five hundred dollars an hour and, and all those things. It's it sounds like you are very reasonable. Yeah, we charge a flat fee for uh, setting up a corporation or an LLC. Mm -hmm. It's it's six hundred ninety five dollars. I'll, I'll give you mm -hmm. a tip. If you mention Rich Dad, it's five hundred ninety five dollars. And mm -hmm. and then the uh, the filing fees vary from state to state. Right. So it's, mm -hmm. it's five ninety five plus whatever the filing mm -hmm. fee is in the state. That five ninety five includes the resident agent fee for the first mm -hmm. year. So okay. twenty five is rolled into that. And mm -hmm. then. Um, you know, it's in, we, we uh, make sure that you're set up properly at the start and then we're willing to help you make sure that you maintain your corporation or LLC uh, into the future by having right. president agent doing the minutes if you need it. Uh, but, yes, we try and make it affordable for people because, mm -hmm. you know, this is something that you shouldn't have to worry about and mm -hmm. you shouldn't have to spend hours trying to figure this stuff right. out. Uh, mm -hmm. Just have a professional do it for you, and we're happy to assist. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and we mentioned at the very start of the program, you know, the thirty nine ninety five specials that air, you know, at, at two o'clock in the morning when I'm watching TV, and it's if you give coupon code, you know, whatever. <laughs> okay, e yes, that is easier. It's obviously less expensive, but if there's a problem, if you go to call somebody, you might not even be able to find a number for them, you know, or you might not have been set up properly or all of these various things. So, you know, if you're serious about doing business and I, you know, I can't emphasize that enough. If you are serious about doing business, make sure that you're set up correctly to start with, whether it's with Garrett or somebody else, make sure you've done it right. And, and folks, don't do it on the cheap, you know, because as we said, you get what you paid for. Absolutely. And uh, we can set these up fairly quickly. Uh, you know, uh, Nevada we and Wyoming, we can get done uh, within a day. So if cool. you're in a hurry, uh, mm -hmm. if, you know, if you're going to sign a big contract uh, at the end of the week uh, and you need an entity, uh, we can mm -hmm. get it done fairly quickly. Right. Well, Garrett, we've got about a minute left. So what is your advice to uh, to our listeners about, you know, what are the first steps they need to do if they haven't done it correctly? Well, the first step is to, uh, you know, there's all sorts of resources on our website, corporatedirect.com. And uh, we have checklists, we have information uh, that you can access. It's it's written in English. I don't write in legalese. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> your book was very easy to understand. Thank you very much. And, uh, you know, we, we have free consults with incorporating specialists. So you can call 800-600-1760 and, and talk to someone and they'll hold your hand through the whole process if you go with us. Um, so we're, we're happy to assist people uh, from around the country. And in fact, Deb, we have clients from around the world. Our doors are open for investing. And if, if you're coming from overseas and want to invest here, we're, we're happy to help you as well. Perfect. Well, Garrett, this has been absolutely fascinating, and I'm like really happy that I've done it all the right way. <laughs> Good for you. I know. You know, it's it's always one of those things where you're thinking, oh gosh, he's going to tell me I've totally screwed stuff up, but yay, 
me. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it, it is something that our listeners absolutely have to do. You know, again, we can't emphasize that enough. Don't think, first of all, that you're never going to have a problem because you might not. I mean, you know, but if you do, why not have, you know, taken the steps to start with to make sure that your business, your family, your assets, all of those various things are protected. Absolutely. And you, that's the key thing. Think about your family. Think mm-hmm. about protecting your future. That's what this is all about, is protecting right. your future. Perfect. Well, I am Deb Creer. I've ha- been having a great time talking with Garrett Sutton. You can again find him at corporatedirect.com. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.